Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Today we're going to be talking about the rapture as it is found in Revelation. As I said the other day, it seems like a lot of the people that are sort of matching swords when it comes to the rapture tend to do this, me included. In the past, I have said, okay, well, look at this verse or this set of verses. And then, of course, the pre-tribbers say, yeah, well, look at this verse. And so they tend to do what I call matching swords. In other words, they're basically throwing verses at each other. Yeah, well, look at this one. Yeah, well, look at this one. <laughs> it's kind of like kids that said, I dare you to step across that line. I dare you to step across that line. <laughs> kind of childish. Uh, yes, I've participated in that too, but I think I've found a better way to look at it. Because if there is a pre-trib, mid-trib, pre-wrath, or whatever it might be, wherever the rapture might be, I think you'd agree that it would have to be not just one verse or even one set of verses or even a multiple set of verses where you're jumping and hopping and skipping from here to there to here to there, where you kind of grab this and stick it together with that and glue it together and chisel it together and screw it together and say, yep, there you go. That's a pre-trib or that's a mid-trib or post-trib, whatever it might be. Really and truly, if we're understanding the rapture correctly, it wouldn't be found in just one verse or even one set of verses. It would be a theme, ideally, through the whole Bible, and I believe it is. But today, we're going to specifically conclude working with where it is found in Revelation. So, we're looking at various verses that show a theme. In other words, not just one set, but it's a theme all the way through the book of Revelation to help us to answer the question, is the rapture pre-trib, mid-trib, pre-wrath, or post-trib? Of course, as you already know, I'm very much post-trib. Now, as I said in the broadcast the other day, I'm not doing this because I want to get fewer donations, which I know that's what will happen every time I talk about the post-trib rapture, our donations go down. I'm not doing this so that no church will invite me to speak, and I know that's pretty much what will happen because the pastors don't understand, and pretty much the church congregation members demand that they be pre-trib. Yes, I understand all that. So all of this, by me bringing this to you, what I'm trying to say here, it doesn't help our ministry, but one of these days when I'm proven to be accurate, I would like to think that many people will begin to turn and listen to what I'm saying because the whole time I've been telling them the truth. That's the only reason that I say it this way. Okay, so let's pick up where we were in the last broadcast. Now, we're almost done with this topic. Again, we're looking for a theme running through the book of Revelation. In other words, we're looking for where the rapture is discussed, either directly or indirectly, or where it's even hinted at through the book of Revelation. So we're going to jump to Revelation 17, verse 3. This is talking about, without jumping into all of the proof of why I say this, it's talking about the Catholic Church and how they kill martyrs for Jesus. Yes, I know that the Catholic Church in the past has killed a lot of people. That's not what I'm talking about. Revelation is not a book talking about the past. It is a book talking about specifically the last seven years. That's primarily what it's talking about. So this is saying that the Catholic Church will kill a lot of Christians. Now, I'm not beating up on the Catholic Church, nor am I beating up on Catholics. I love my Catholics, and I believe that the Catholic Church is going to be hijacked by the greatest hijacker in history, and he is going to do a lot of damage. 
So I'm not beating up on the Catholic Church. Please understand that. So anyway, Revelation 17.3. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman, that's the Catholic Church in this case, sit upon a scarlet-colored beast, meaning the devil, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads, that's the seven continents divided into seven global regions, seven land masses, having seven heads and ten horns. That's where they take those seven continents and divide them into ten global regions. Got it? Okay, so he's saying that the Catholic Church is setting upon, means that they get their money from a world government that has divided the seven continents into ten global regions. And the woman, or the church, was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and those are the colors of the Catholic Church. Decked with gold, precious stones, and pearls, the Catholic Church, I have heard, is the wealthiest entity on earth. So I have heard, and it's probably true. Having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication, meaning that she has caused many people to fall away from the faith. And upon her head was a name written. Now, I believe that this is not one name. I believe it's actually three names. Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and abomination of the earth. So see that in three lines. First line is Mystery Babylon. Second line is the great. Third line is the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Now, the reason I say that is, well, what was the campaign call for Donald Trump? Make America great again. I think that Donald Trump hung that word on this nation, and God heard it, the great. So when it says Mystery Babylon the Great, it's talking about specifically the Catholic Church's control over America in this case. Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Now, here is the scriptures, I believe, that is continuing our theme that says that there's not going to be a pre-trib, mid-trib, pre-wrath rapture. No one is going anywhere. We're all going to be tested, tested very harshly. Here it is. I saw the woman, meaning the Catholic Church. This is the Catholic Church in the future, not the past. I saw the woman drunken with the blood of saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. All right, now think about it. If there were a pre-trib rapture, why would it say that the Catholic Church killed a bunch of saints and made them martyrs for Jesus? How could that happen? If all the Christians were pulled out before any of the trouble started, or even in the middle of it. But in this case, it again, we're looking at a theme, brothers and sisters, and I'm not trying to offend you. I'm trying to keep you from losing your salvation by expecting a pre-trib or a mid-trib rapture and getting rapture disappointed, getting mad at your pastor, mad at your church, mad at Jesus. I didn't sign up for this. This is not the God that I accepted. It's not their fault. It's yours. You're responsible to study and read the Bible yourself. Okay, let's go on. I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Now, drunken means he, she kills a lot of Christians. And when I saw her listen to this word, I wondered with great admiration. I've done a whole radio program on the word wonder, and essentially it's talking about mesmerized. They are shocked. They are stunned. They are captivated. They are kept. They are caught, you see. So, it's saying, I saw the Catholic Church that sets and gets her money from a world government 
where that has divided the seven continents into ten global regions, and she's very, very wealthy, and one of her names is The Great, drunken with the blood of saints, with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. So that's a very, very, very big point saying, no, there is not going to be a pre-trib or a mid-trib or a pre-wrath rapture. There's no one going anywhere. Now let me go to another one. I thought about just going to just these specific verses, but maybe I should just go through the whole chapter of Revelation 18 because several things in Revelation 18 are talking about uh, the rapture and talking about America in Bible prophecy. So I think I'll do that. I've made a whole video. It's up on uh, YouTube going through this from a different angle. You can cover it from a lot of different angles. And again, because I memorized the book of Revelation, I see things deeper into the words and a deeper understanding. As you will understand, if you've ever memorized a scripture, you know that scripture deeper uh, than you've ever known it before when you memorize that scripture. So let's go through Revelation 18. There's a lot in here talking about the church. And unfortunately, the theme, meaning that Look, if there's a pre-trib rapture, it's not going to be just found in a verse here or a verse there. If there's a pre-trib or mid-trib rapture, there it, it's going to be a theme. It's going to be a theme through the whole Bible. And unfortunately, it's specifically Revelation, and that's what we're talking about today. And there's not. The theme throughout the whole book of Revelation is that there's not a pre-trib, mid-trib, pre-wrath rapture. Let's go on Revelation 18. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven having great power. And the earth was lightened with his glory. That might be Michael, but it's probably the angel that is assigned to America. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, meaning America, the great, there's that name again, God calls us the great nation, okay, make America great again. Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. It says, is fallen twice. There's three scriptures in the Bible that says, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, three times, and those three times, it's always talking about America. It's saying that America falls twice. The first fall has to do with sins in the church, judgment on the church. The second time is because of the blood of the martyrs, because she then turns around and kills so many Christians. Look, ask yourself this. If the Christians were to lose control politically, what would all of the non-Christians do to all the Christians? They're, they are so angry at Christians right now, brothers and sisters. They are ready to kill us now. Let's go on. Babylon the Great has fallen, has fallen, has become the habitation of devils. That means where devils live, and we have been. And the hold of every foul spirit. These people out protesting. And there's so much hate and anger in so many people. And that the funny thing is, the people, uh, it's the pot calling the kettle black. The people on the left that are the most evil are the ones that then turn around and say, well, you guys just have hate. Uh, I don't think so. You need to look at who is calling us the ones that are hateful. You're the ones hateful. And that's what it's saying. And the hold of every foul spirit and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. That's what we become. A nation where devils live, a hold of every foul spirit, and a cage where people that are hateful and unclean live. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, meaning that all nations have watched our movies, read our books, and our porn, and we have caused all nations to fall away from Christ. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication, means all of the other nations have fallen away from Christ along with us. 
and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Okay, so what nation has made all of the world wealthy? Answer, America and only America. And heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. So this is God directly talking to his people. He's saying that judgment is coming on America. If you don't want to be part of that judgment, you got to stop sinning now. And to a certain degree, there will be a time when he will tell us to leave. Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. In that God first forgot her iniquities tells us that this is a Christian nation that has turned away from God. So consequently, he begins to remember the iniquities of the children that turned away that aren't washed in the blood of Jesus. Then in verse 6, it says, reward her even as she rewarded you, meaning that reward the sinners because they turned against the Christians. That's what it's saying. Reward her even as she rewarded you. Double unto her double according to her works. In the cup that she has filled, filled to her double. In that she was very, very greatly blessed, now turn around and so much sorrow give her. Which is kind of what the next verse says. How much she has glorified herself and lived deliciously. That's America. So much torment and sorrow give her. Doesn't sound like a pre-trib rapture, does it? For she saith in her heart, Oh, and this, in my opinion, this is probably the most direct place in the entire Bible. It's talking about that there is no pre-trib rapture. Listen to this. For she saith in her heart, I said a queen, and I'm no widow, and shall see no sorrow. That's what the pre-trib doctrine says. I am too good. I'm not going to go through this. I have Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I live a clean and holy life, and I am not going to go through any kind of a tribulation. I'm going to not go through any kind of trouble. I sit a queen, and I'm no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Therefore, shall her plagues come in one day, death, mourning, and famine. And she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. When it says, in one day, that's exactly how long it takes for the Russians to take out America with all of their super weapons, their supersonic missiles, can take us all out in one day. Now, I said I'm going to do the whole chapter of Revelation, but I'm not. I'm not going to have time for that if I want to get to the other stuff. So, I'm going to jump to Revelation 18.20. Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. Meaning that God kills all of the non-Christians that turned around and persecuted and martyred all of the believers. So that, once again, is not a pre-trib rapture. That's not the theme through this. I do not get a theme of a pre-trib, mid-trib, or pre-wrath rapture as I read through the book of Revelation. Finally, in Revelation eighteen twenty-four, And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all slain upon the earth. I would have thought, that if there was going to be a pre-trib rapture, I would probably be saying something like, and because Jesus came and got all of the prophets and saints, they were all protected from all of the mayhem upon the earth. But that's not what it says. Again, that's not the theme throughout the book of Revelation. Then we jump to Revelation 20, verse 4. And I saw thrones. Now, this is those people that are overcomers, Specifically, they saw the beast, they heard the beast, and they were beheaded 
for the witness of Jesus, not just beheaded, not just killed, but they specifically saw the beast, rejected the beast to the point where he beheaded them. Listen to what it says. And they, by the way, they sat on thrones. My opinion, these are the morning star judges. They get the morning star and throughout all eternity, like Daniel 12, 4 says, they that turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever and ever. And I saw thrones and they sat on them. And judgment was given unto them. It means that they judge. Now, Jesus is the judge of the humans, but also it says you shall judge angels. I believe that these are the ones that judge the angels. I saw thrones and they sat on them. And judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. So in order to get on one of these thrones, you have to see the beast, hear the beast, and beheaded by the beast. That's a pretty stiff thing, but that's what it says. For the word of God, which did not worship the beast, neither his image, neither received his mark on their forehead or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Why is it they only reign for a thousand years? Because the nations only live for a thousand years. At the end of the thousand years, Satan should be loosed out of his prison. He goes out into the uh, four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. A number of them is as the sand of the sea. And fire from God out of heaven came down and devoured them. That's the morning star destroying them. And now let's go to the last verses talking about the rapture. Now we've covered the ones in Revelation. And again, I, I, let me say it again. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm not trying to get you not to support our ministry. I would still like to think you would still support us. And if you are a pastor out there, please call. I would love to come to your church and teach them about Revelation. Look, it's coming. It's coming hard and fast. And your congregation members are going to need this, brothers and sisters. Matter of fact, even if you're not in the Dallas area, make arrangements. I'd be happy to come and to speak and teach through whatever you think I need to teach through. So, in my opinion, these next verses are the very best verses in the Bible talking about the rapture. Job 14.12 So man lieth down and riseth not till the heavens be no more. So what that verse is saying is that when a person dies, they will not come out of that grave until the heavens are no more. Well, when is it that the heavens are no more? And that happens on the day of trumpet. When Jesus returns and he steps out of eternity, that's when the heavens roll back like a scroll, and beyond that is darkness. That's when the sun, the moon, and the stars withdraw their shining. They're all gone. There's no more sun, moon, and stars in eternity. Uh, we don't have a sun, moon, or stars at all. The only thing we see is Jesus. He literally is the light of the world. So when it says, so man lieth down, means that when he goes into the grave, he does not come out of the grave until the heavens be no more. The heavens are no more when there is no more time. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Meaning, this is when there was only eternity. Time had not been created. There was void, there was darkness, every place. That's what it was. It was darkness. And then the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. My opinion, that's where he gathered the waters from the planets around the earth, and he gathered them together. And then when he said, let there be light, that was the explosion that created the earth, the sun, the moon, stars, but still there's no sun yet. There just was an explosion that blew them apart. 
So anyway, that gets complicated. But the point is, first there was darkness. First there was eternity. Then when God said Bereshit, meaning light, that's what he said is light, that created time. And then at the end of time, that's what it's saying, till the heavens be no more, when there is no more time, when those that are unjust are unjust still. Those that are filthy are filthy still. Those that are righteous are righteous still. Those that are holy are holy still. Meaning, no one else falls away. No one else gets saved. The heavens are no more. There is no more time. So he's saying that when a man lies down in the grave, he does not come out of the grave until there is no more time. They shall not awake, nor be raised out of their sleep. Verse 13. Oh, that thou wouldest hide me in grave, that thou wouldest keep me secret until thy wrath be past. Now, what's the wrath? Well, as Revelation defines it, it is the day of the Lord. In the evening tide they are, in the morning they are not. It is one day, the one single day of the Lord that is on the Feast of Trumpets. That is his wrath, specifically his wrath is the morning star that burns up the tares. So when he says, hide me in the grave, he means keep me in the grave until you have already destroyed all of the tares, just like Matthew 13, 30 says, gather you first the tares, bind them into bundles, cast them into the fire, then gather my wheat into the barn. Verse 14, if a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. What change? That's See, this is all talking about the same event. The change is when we are resurrected out of the grave, or if we are alive and remain, we're caught up and meet the Lord in the year, that's when we get our light bodies, our eternal bodies, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. That's the seventh trump. There's seven trumpets. This is at the seventh trumpet. That is the day of the Lord. That's when all of the rewards are handed out to us. If you get my book... What a lot of people are telling me is that when they start learning the truth about how the end actually comes, it starts taking a lot of the fear away. So don't let the misconception, the misunderstanding of a pre-trib, mid-trib, pre-wrath rapture try to take the fear away from you. If you're afraid of the last days, my brothers and sisters, then rather than running from it, instead jump in the middle of it, learn more about it so that you will be able to be ready to get not only give an answer, but to be able to survive it and not fall. Just like Jesus said, the day before Armageddon, he said, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed are they that watcheth and keepeth their garments. That means don't fall away. Keepeth their garments, lest they walk naked and they see her shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Now let me talk briefly in closing about overcomers. The word overcometh in the New Testament is found twice. And the two verses are this. And it's talking about how we can overcome the world. 1 John 5, 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Verse 5. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. However, that's not what Revelation is talking about when it talks about an overcomer, meaning you cannot be an overcomer simply because you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. An overcomer in Revelation are those people that see the beast, 
hear the beast and his talk, and yet reject him, and do not take his mark, worship his image, or receive the number of his name. Three things. And if you resist the beast, if you do not take his mark or worship him or the number of his name, those three things, then these are the blessings you get. Now, I've kind of summarized them. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. He that overcometh shall not be heard of the second death. In other words, his soul won't die. He lives forever. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna. Now, let me explain what the hidden manna is. When Jesus returns and he splits time wide open, that's the heaven departing like a scroll, and there's darkness because eternity is darkness, then there is one mountain and only one mountain on the earth, and it's just south of Jerusalem. I'm about to read the scripture on it here if I have time. And upon that is the golden city, clear as glass, transparent as glass, and in there is Jesus. He literally is the light of the world. And as that light hits our light bodies, it gives us energy, it gives us health, it feeds us. That light is the hidden manna. That light is life to us. I will give to eat of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. And he that keepeth my works to the end, Will I give power over the nations? Those are the people that did not receive Jesus, but they didn't take the mark either. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of a potter, they shall be broken to shivers or ashes, meaning that like the two witnesses, you will go around any of those nations that break the laws of God. You just blow on them. They fall to the ground in a pile of ashes. Shivers, even as I received it my father, and I will give him the morning star. The same should be clothed in white raiment. I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that overcometh will make a pillar. This is what I want. Pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. In other words, they live in the face of Jesus all the time, for eternity. And I write upon him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and write upon him my new name. I want a new name. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. So we actually get to sit on the throne of Jesus if we are an overcomer. And I believe that most people listening to my voice right now, you will have the opportunity to either deny Jesus or become an overcomer. I encourage you to become an overcomer. Finally, he that overcometh shall inherit all things. I will be his God and he shall be my son. All things, that means that he inherits everything that Jesus has, everything Jesus is going to give him. Now let's go to Zechariah 13.9. This is talking about the last few days. This is talking about the tribulation. And I will bring the third part through the fire, means that roughly one-third of the humans alive on the earth when the tribulation starts will survive to the end, meaning roughly two-thirds won't make it through. Sad to say, but there's entire nations out there that don't know Jesus. And will refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried, and they shall call upon my name, and I will hear them. I will say it is my people, and they shall say, The Lord is my God. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee, for I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. That's the battle of Armageddon. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, and the women ravished 
But when about half of the city has been taken, Jesus returns. And the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall go forth the Lord and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. His feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, and they shall cleave in the midst thereof to the east and the west, and there will be a very great valley skipping down. But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night. Why? Because eternity has entered and destroyed time. But it shall come to pass. At evening tide it shall be light, meaning all of a sudden Jesus is the light of the world. And it shall be in that day that living waters shall go out of Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the hinder sea, in summer and in winter shall it be. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth, means that he has returned as king of kings and lord of lords. And the land shall be turned as a plain, means that all of the earth is a nice round smooth ball except there is one and only one mountain. I'm going to change the end of the broadcast because I have a request. If you like Prophecy Club, if it is one of your ministries that you support, if you feel like we're doing the right thing, then would you consider sending us a donation? It's summertime, and man, our donations have dropped just down to almost nothing. So if you could help us right now, it would really be appreciated. ProphecyClub.com Thank you and God bless.